Welcome to the Intelligent and Lazy Investor, where we help you start investing intelligently and lazily. I'm running you through the five things the smart money is doing that the dumb money is not. And the second of those things is to stop over-trusting authority and under-trusting yourself. When you're talking about over-inflated perceptions of authority and the, and the consequences of that misreading of reality by the general public, you'd have trouble having that conversation without talking about the book Influence by Dr. Robert Cialdini. And so that book was originally written with the intention of protecting consumers. But instead, because the consumer tends to be complacent and the con artist tends to be rapacious, that book has basically become the go-to playbook for con artists. The principles in that book are being used against you constantly, every minute of every day. And it's created a situation basically across the board, but definitely in terms of investing, where we have evolving predators and unevolving prey. And so I doubt it would surprise you to hear that financial professionals have an absolutely terrible track record when it comes to multiplying money. It's been said, and I don't know if you can trust the percentage, but that 99% of actively managed U.S. equity funds underperform the market. And so, and they talk about how monkeys throwing darts at a board tend to pick stocks as well or better, et cetera, et cetera. I don't want to beat that into the ground because it's already been beaten into the ground. But let me tell you something that you probably don't already know on the subject of the so-called financial professional sucking at investing. They have a terrible track record for four reasons. The first reason is that they have ineffective strategies. Peter Lynch, who I'm going to talk a little bit more about a little later, said that most of what he learned at Wharton, which was supposed to help you succeed in the investment business, could only help you fail. That's the most successful investor of the 1980s, the most successful hired gun running other people's money, telling you about what financial study is able to help you do. Not much. So that's the first thing. They're operating on antiquated strategies that are not succeed that weren't succeeding 30 years ago and they're getting worse and worse in terms of their results and in terms of their baseline sanity. The second reason is that financial professionals counterintuitively don't have any experience investing their own money with the strategies that they're deploying. This is a tough one to wrap your head around, but basically most financial professionals are preaching an approach that is great for recurring revenue for the firm. So hand me your money. I'll diversify it in a way that you won't lose it. And I'm going to take a percentage on the front end and then a percentage on the back end. And, and with the intention of, A, okay, you won't go bust, but B, there will be as little volatility as possible so we can all sleep really well at night. And it makes a hell of a lot of sense if you are, for example, a DECA millionaire who doesn't need more money and doesn't want to think about this. That's perfect. But if it's somebody who actually needs that money to grow, that kind of complacency and those kinds, that kind of sort of 
fiscal leaching where you have this organism on you that's sucking 2% of your blood on an annual basis, rain or shine, and then 20% of the muscle that you make over time, that is, it's, you know, injurious to the aspirations of a lot of people. The third reason is that financial professionals, on average, there are certainly exceptions to all of this, but on average, have tremendous and counterproductively huge egos where what I was saying before, and it's so counterintuitive because they're swimming in status, but independence of the highest order typically requires that you let you kind of humble yourself and you question your assumptions and you admit your mis- your mistakes and you evolve with experience because if you don't you will be made antiquated you'll die whatever it is that you're doing isn't going to succeed if you're not willing to do those things and like i was saying before in terms of us making no generational progress that's not been the case in the financial space. And so a huge ego will keep you from questioning assumptions, making adjustments and getting better. And this is aided and abetted by the fact that the fourth reason is that there's absolutely no incentive for financial professionals for their modus operandi to change. Because if you're swimming in income, if you're swimming in status, and the world is not in any way requiring that you make any adjustment, why would you make that adjustment? Joey Public trusts this industry, these people, without thinking for three reasons. The first reason is their title. Their second reason is their clothes. And the third reason is their trappings, be it their car, their mansion, their carefully hung degree, their ornate office with the big power desk, and especially the jargon that they use. And I've seen this enough times, and I've had people try and use it against me, it's really important to understand that these people are aware instinctively, but then also, like I was saying about Cialdini, he writes about these three things when he talks about how to manufacture authority so that you can use it against other people to make them trust you without thinking. It's about creating a title, dressing the part, and then surrounding yourself with these props that literally are designed to make somebody's brain shut off and trust you implicitly without thinking from then on. And so when I'm talking about the jargon, what I mean is these people know, and and the truly smart money amongst them have been trained to exploit, that if they use terms that you don't understand, describing a subject that you don't understand, that you feel undereducated, underprepared, underexperienced, et cetera, your brain is going to shut off and you are going to trust them without thinking and you are going to be mindlessly compliant in an escalating fashion for life. And then you are going to pass those assumptions to your kids and they are going to do exactly the same thing. So all of this, I'm sure, I mean, you know, it's confrontational. It's tough to internalize. We've all had the same obedience training where, you know, you trust authorities, you go to the doctor, et cetera. But when in doubt, remember that Buffett himself, and ironically, I'm drawing on authority here, but he is spot on when he says that Wall Street's success is a result of its abilities in sales, not its ability in investing. And so it's about raising money based on perceived authority, not on skill in multiplying the money. Another example, what is Jordan Belfort, the Wolf of Wall Street, doing now? 
is he teaching a course on investing or is he teaching a course on sales? Sell me this pen. It's an annoyance of me that, I mean, because it was a great movie, entertaining as hell, but it, it went deeper in making people afraid of this subject where somehow people are, I mean, talking about horrible, horrible assumptions and expensive beliefs, but people watch that movie and then get, get more certain that they shouldn't be investing their own money because Wall Street is rigged and all this. That's not how to read the situation at all. Jordan Belfort was a salesman gone wild, selling the most expensive and misunderstood product in the world to the most undereducated, underconfident, and gullible and overwhelmed consumer on the planet. He never un understood investing. He just thrived for a time by exploiting everybody else who he also knew understood investing with, you know, with top of the line sales skills and instincts. And so here's a better question. Why are we depending on individuals and institutions that we don't like or trust? When in doubt, remember that the authorities here are not authorities. They're not masters at investing, but they have masterfully crafted an image of authority. And that image needs to be questioned early and always. Said another way, where are the customer's yachts? I see the financial manager's yachts, but you know, where are the customer's yachts? That has been a punchline. And it's also the title of the funniest book ever written on investing that was written just after the Great Depression. And so we're talking about almost a hundred years at least of these mistakes being made on a societal level and just vast misperception of how all of this actually works. And so one of the things that you can do to slice through bullshit, be it for a financial advisor, a any kind of really just, you know, education in general and professionals in general is just to ask, what's your best case study? Because if somebody hasn't created the result that they are supposedly achieving and definitively monetizing, that is the actual metric that matters when it comes to slicing through bullshit and figuring out if you're in a situation where you should delegate or whether you should own independence on that subject. Another thing to keep in mind that backs up all of this is that Peter Lynch, who I said that I would mention more later, mentioning him now, he was the most successful investor of the 1980s. He turned $18 million into $14 billion in 13 years, and then published three books saying the following, 20 years in this business convinces me that any normal person using the customary 3% of the brain can pick stocks just as well, if not better, than the average Wall Street expert. If you sit with that and just think about it for a minute, I know that we are buffeted by, I mean, how how much shit and, and mental whirlwinds do we go through every time that you turn on your TV, anytime that you scroll down a Facebook feed? We're constantly getting destroyed. Like I, I'm now getting, face, my Facebook feed now has entrepreneurs who are leading with supposedly earnest confessions of how they used to be suicidal because that's the level of self-admission that it now takes to get a click 
And so we are getting so desensitized that it's hard to filter what is signal, what is noise. I'm telling you, Peter Lynch saying that in context is signal and almost everything else is, no is noise. That would be just like the most successful doctor of an entire generation saying that their patients would get better results in less time at no cost if they did checkups and surgeries themselves. I hope that that sinks in. Here's what you can do instead if that resonates with you and you want to start taking action to generate your own investment ideas. Another Peter Lynch hallmark is know what you own, to which Fine Fat Fish adds invest in your addictions. But in either case, whether you're knowing what you're owning, investing in your addictions, what you do is you put on the green goggles. You start looking at the world first through the prism of consumer, which you're already doing, but then further through the prism of investor, which anybody can do. And you start doing your own what they call field research. And so field research is something that professional investors are paid to do. I'm friends with some of them. And I, like I said, and I don't want to over say it because there are people who are in this field that are good people that are good at what they do but there is it is dominated by bullshit and it is so important that even if you were entrusting the best advisor in the world to do it you should be doing this anyway just so that you could keep that person honest right and so field research is when you use a product for the purpose of better understanding the company better understanding the competitive landscape and for those reasons better understanding an entire genre of investment and so as an example, one of my favorite people was paid to go to Buffalo Wild Wings and eat the wings and then compare that against similar restaurants because doing so, spending time with the product in, empowered him with a much better understanding of the company and the stock. And so not only can you do this, you are doing this. And it begs an obvious question, but a question that most people aren't willing to ask themselves and make adjustments based on, did you really need somebody to tell you that Facebook, Apple, Amazon, Netflix, and Google were going to be successful? We're talking common sense, but what's not common about it is that you need to question assumptions. You need to strap on a pair of gender ambiguous balls. You need to look into the long term, and you need to take bold action based on incomplete information. And that leaves most people on the sidelines. And unfortunately, it probably always will. Although I would point out that in terms of what's worth shooting for here on a societal level, it is definitely the 80-20 principle statement that 20% or, or fewer people will always own 80% or more of the money. Unfortunately, that is almost certainly true. But it should be 20% of the people having 80% of the money, not 20 people. And so there are hundreds of millions of people worldwide that should be doing this, that can be doing this, that aren't. And the fact that so many people are on the sideline is what has created this horrific net worth gap that I'll get into more on the next episode. But when in doubt, just remember this, investing is not gambling. Relying on Disney villains to manage your money for you is. And so somebody who went from gambling to genuinely investing is my client, Ross. And so Ross is Jerome, who I talked about last episode's neighbor. And I guess he heard him, he heard Jerome bragging at one too many barbecues or something. But 
he dropped me a line and he came in super skeptical, incredibly skeptical, very, very smart. And for him, he actually was in uh, quite a powerful position as a successful entrepreneur and, uh, and doing a bunch of stuff. But for him, his main thing was just that stock picking and investing had sort of thwarted him strategically and intellectually and psychologically. And he came in with the goal of sort of beating his past self and then also beating his financial advisor. And he wrapped his head around, I mean, he came in demanding independence of the highest order. That's what he wanted. He didn't want to be, he didn't want to feel beholden to somebody else, although he was happily giving some of his money to be invested by somebody that he respects and trusts. But he also wanted the peace of mind and satisfaction of knowing that he could do this himself. And so he put on the green goggles. He questioned authority enough that he was willing to give this a go and take a real shot at it. And he made the adjustments. And consequently, he did a 100% return in two years, his first two years of investing his own money once he had made those adjustments. And he beat the S&P 500 which most people assumes is impossible by 85% exponentially during those two years. And it's worth saying, and I don't think that talking about this macro stuff is too useful. So I'll give it as few syllables as possible, but that's quite a hell of a feat when you consider that a, most people assume that beating the market is impossible and B the market does beat the vast majority of investors, both professional and amateur all the time. And yet this guy made a couple adjustments, was jealous of somebody else's success, somebody else's success, made the adjustments and did that. And so how did he do it? How specifically did he do it? For one thing, and this might be the main thing, he did not diversify. And so that brings us to what I'll talk about during our next episode. The third thing that the smart money is doing that the dumb money is not, they are concentrating to create. They are not diversifying to protect. And so if what I've just said resonated with you, I'd ask you to, to do a couple of things. Review this podcast, subscribe, and share it with somebody who really needs to hear it. Somebody who is riding it straight into the ground, if not deep into the financial ocean, the assumption that you need to defer to the professionals here. And it's so easy to do that. There are a million hip pocket retorts that sound smart until you do what we've just done where you dig under the surface. If somebody needs to hear that, you know, put this in their inbox, their messenger, what have you. And lastly, if you feel compelled to take action on this information, you're not just collecting it, you actually are determined to take action on it immediately, then I would invite you to check out my website, which is findfatfish.com. I will see you on the next episode.